Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. How's it going, man? I'm, yeah, I'm just getting through it, man. How you doing? Pretty good. I'm a big fan. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, man. Oh, it's all good. No worries, man. There was one question I wanted to pick your brain about, because I know we got like 45 seconds and counting here, but uh, I, I just listened to, I think it was Stone Sour's rendition of uh, Outshined, obviously, uh, the night that Chris Cornell had passed. How much of an inspiration was he to you as both a songwriter and a musician? You know, I didn't... It, it was one of those instances where I didn't realize what impact he had on me until he was gone, you know, cause he was always, he was always that singer. You could never really sing because his oh, yeah. fucking range was crazy. Yeah. But dude, his lyrics and his songwriting were insane, man. I oh, mean, yeah. like the stuff that he did for uh, the single soundtrack is to this day, some of my favorite shit ever. So you got the show at the forum. Uh, I mean, how, how did it, or why did it take you this long to create a solo album? I mean, you got Slipknot, you got Stone Sour, but you've basically done it all in the business. Why choose now, especially given the times, to finally uh, put together the, this first solo album for Corey Taylor? I mean, okay, long story short, I mean, honestly, this was something, you know, a solo album is something I hadn't really thought about. But people just kept asking me if I was going to make one. I don't know if it's just because I'm a glutton and I'm on every song that I can get my hands on. But <laughs> I was, you know, for the longest time, I was completely happy with just being in two great bands. And then the more people asked me about it, the more I started thinking, well, what the hell would it sound like? You know, and I realized I had this whole warehouse full of songs that have really ended up nowhere, you know, uh, whether I've written them for other people or written them for myself and I just didn't work with either project. Right. They just were great songs. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's see what happens. You know, I've got a great group of dudes that I are best friends with and I love to play with. Let's just see what happens. So we were planning to go in and do this in January after, you know, the, the final leg of the, of the Slipknot tour cycle. And then COVID happened <laughs> and uh, everything just got, you know, shut down. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, if we do this right, why don't we just do this now? So I reached out to the band. I reached out to Jay Rustin, who I produced it with. And I said, hey, let's social distance a couple weeks, quarantine a couple weeks, keep our distance, and then we'll all drive in to Vegas and we'll make this album. Let's just do it sooner than later. And wow. I mean, it all, it 
came together so well, dude. I just it's kind of crazy that it don't only took two and a half weeks to make. It's crazy. So why make this your first solo record? Because obviously you're a rock star. You got Slipknot and Stone Sour, like I mentioned before. But this is just kind of like its own entity. Where uh, of course Slipknot is kind of like an alter ego. You got the masks. It, it's more heavy metal stuff as opposed to Stone Sour, which is still rock but a, a completely different entity in its own right. Uh, why is CMFT or how is CMFT uh, different in, in your eyes and why did you want to make this your first solo record? So the solo thing, this is something that I could have done years ago. I could have done at any other point, you know, but to, but at the time it didn't make sense. You know, it didn't it didn't make sense to do something like that. Honestly, because I have Slipknot, I had Stone Sour for, for what it was worth, you know. To me that I mean the, the only time I really like to put a focus on myself sometimes is when it's uh part of the collective. You know, when it's when it's working on something as a group and working on something as a band and working on something that we're going to be able to hoist up and show to the world. Right. For me, I was absolutely content with, you know, bouncing back and forth between uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour. But for the last few years, I've, I've recognized something in myself that really kind of like was just getting more and more important for me to show and and share and that was a certain type of music that i mean you've heard the album Mm -hmm. that kind of all-out rock and roll kind of uh, positive. I don't even want to say positive because it's, it's not the right word. It's like there's no real word for what I'm trying to say. So I'll just describe it like this major chord, big chorus kind of party vibe, for lack of a better term, you know? And I just, I felt like I didn't have that in my life. It was a reflection of the music that I was really that I've been into for many years, uh, a reflection of the music that I usually like to do in like the, the cover shows that I do here and there. Um, it was a reflection of the songs that I've been writing over the years that, that didn't fit with either Slipknot or Stone Sour, you know? So it was, it was weird. It was like, I, I, it was like, I was trying to fill in, uh, an empty space in that artistic spot in my heart. Um, and I knew that obviously it, it, there was no way I was going to fit with Slipknot because it's just such a different entity. You know, we play in different realms and our world is huge, but the, these songs just, they, they don't fit, you know, it's not the, it's not the same kind of artistic flavor, you know, May have been able to do it with Stone Sour, but Stone Sour is so different than what it used to be that I had to, you know, just kind of create this third thing that, you know, for lack of a better term, had to be a solo thing. Because if I'd started a third band, it really wouldn't have made any sense, you know? It, It just made more sense for me, especially at this point in my life, 
to be like, okay, I've written all these songs. You know, I did this. The focus is going to be on me regardless, even if I put the band together and I, you know, do this thing um, from a, a band perspective. The focus is going to be on me. The, you know, the production is going to come from my head. Um, artistically, these are the way the songs, I want to hear them done. And I just knew that all of the work was going to be on me anyway. So it was just a matter of, okay, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to carry the load, then it's just going to be my name. It's just going to be me. You know, I'll have friends come in and play with me, but for the most part, it's, 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 it's my project. It's, it's me. It's what I need to do. And you know, the more I was thinking about it, the more I realized that my heart needed it. Now, when you were releasing a couple of the songs over the summer for uh, CMFT, uh, the one song that I really uh, uh, liked was Black Eyes Blue. That was probably the first song off the album that I probably worked out to. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that song and what the, the uh, meaning is behind it a little bit? The Black Eyes Blue started out uh, when I was demoing songs. I really only had the music for it, and I, I, for the longest time, it was just called Clash Ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> Clash is one of my favorite bands, and uh, I wanted to write a song unlike anything I'd ever written before, and it had that had that kind of two tone, kind of old school punk like vibe to it, but that was very musical and very articulate, you know, and uh, and that's what this song kind of turned into, and then lyrically. It uh, it's really the story of the adventures I have with my wife, where she's really the first woman I've ever known who, no matter where we are, I love the time that I'm spending with her. So it's basically about us just running around the world having like the best time ever. Another song or another track, if you will, that stands out to me on this record too is the CMFT Must Be Stopped. Uh, he brought in a few other people for that one. It sounds nothing, or at least to me, it sounds nothing like any of the other songs no. on that album. What's the story behind this song? What's the story behind the entire uh, uh, motivation behind the CMFT for this new record? Well, the rest of the album doesn't sound like Black Eyes Blue either. It's one of the reasons we put these two out. You know, We wanted to have two ends of the spectrum. CMFT Must Be Stopped was a song that I had been kind of toying with for a very, very long time. Um, and it initially started out as just a verse that I had written in the hopes that somebody would ask me to be on a hip-hop song. <laughs> and then that never happened, so I just said, well, screw it. I'll just, you know, write my own song around it. And it just became this idea that eventually now come around to the solo album that I kind of fleshed out this old school kind of Rick Rubin and Run DMC type song, you know, that harkens back to the early days with the little more attitude and the hip hop, you know, and that kind of lent itself to me getting uh, Kid Bookie and Tech Nine, two good friends of mine who have, you know, appeared on their songs to, to lend their, their talents to. And it was just such a blast, you know, and it's it's one of those songs that I didn't expect anyone to really dig as much as they are digging, you know, so it's, a, it's really a pleasant surprise. Like, I wanted people to like Black Eyes Blue. I really love the fact that people love CMFT Must Be Stopped. So it's, uh, it's really kind of our way of just kind of throwing out two ends of the spectrum on the album just to, to get people excited about what they're going to hear. So how many songs are actually on the, the record, or, or better yet, how many songs do you have, or how many songs were there beforehand uh, that you already knew that were going to be on the record, and how many songs are there that are going to be kind of like extra songs that you kind of had in your back pocket? Yeah, 
Yeah, like I said, we, we did 25 songs in two and a half weeks, uh, largely because we recorded them all pretty much live. We did the 13 originals that are going to be on the album. And then B-side-wise, we did six covers, and we did six uh, acoustic versions of songs that are on the album. So we did six alternative versions of six of the songs that are on the album. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so we're loaded for bear when it comes for uh, when it comes to, uh, like, extra, extra content and stuff. And, I, you know, every, people ask me if we were going to record any originals, any extra originals, and I said, no, I'm saving that for, for uh, CMF2. Because I've got two albums worth of stuff, uh, two more albums worth of stuff that I that I want to record. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, a plethora of material. Did it make the process quicker knowing who you were playing with, and also the fact that you already knew most of the material that you were working with? Yeah, I mean, we had been doing, we'd get been done, like demoing stuff off and on for a few months beforehand. Because I mean, I was writing, I was writing songs right up until. Uh, the end of the, the the last Slipknot run in Europe, I wrote Mina Lux actually in Europe, and uh, I uh, recorded a demo of that and a Halfway Down and sent it to, uh, to to the guys. And I said, you know what, Halfway Down's an old one, but Mina Lux I just wrote, and I think it'd be really dope. And literally came home. These guys came in for about a week. We we rehearsed them, we demoed them. They all went home. And then all hell broke loose. So luckily, we were prepared going in. But they also knew, like all of the little uh, different things, a little taste, a little flavor that they were going to add to it. And it, it just, it, it really, it saved us so much time. And I mean, we rehearsed for four days before we went in the studio and, and just banged it all out. So, I mean, he's one of my best. Well, thank right. you so much for answering my question. Very welcome, man. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Shitty use tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.